It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host, Manu Vef, and he is back, back from Siberia, back on the podcast. Andrew Flint, how is it going? How is it over in really oh, cold Siberia? <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's not not too bad, thanks. So it's good to be back. Um, it's a bit bit cold here. Um, almost couldn't start my car yesterday, but yeah, no, it's all good. Um, I'm just, uh, yeah, just glad to be back on back on the podcast after a bit. Yeah, I was always, always happy to have you. Uh, joining me on the West Coast, like myself, Tim. Tim, it's been an exciting day yesterday. I got tsunami warnings, woken up early, told that, uh, you know, the end, the, the end was near and then it was an all clear thanks to Tofino and their warning system. But yeah, exciting times on the West Coast. How was it going? How was, how was Vancouver affected? Was it affected at all even? No, nothing, no, because like we're like in, in the, I think it's called Mid- Midlands or whatever, like it's, no, we're not too f- close and we covered actually by Victoria from all the tsunamis. So thanks to you for saving us from any uh, warnings and waking up at 4 a.m. Uh, with any kind of systems. And uh, yeah, no, life is great. Life is beautiful. I'm excited. Well, it's just good to know that we're not only the capital, but also a glorified wave breaker for Vancouver. So. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So that, that's all good. That's how we see you. <laughs> that's how we see us. Well, that's just lovely stuff. But boys, um, from tsunamis and cold weather in Siberia to um, something really bizarre as well, the Euro Nations League. Andrew, you kind of pointed us in that direction. And yes, um, UEFA's little brainchild, latest brainchild, is finally mm. kicking off in September, I believe, and it's a three-month-long tournament. It's also supposed to replace uh, friendly games, right? Force teams to take friendly games a bit more serious. Um, this is also a route to actually qualify for the European Championship, and you qualify through the European Champions, uh, Championship by winning um, your pool. So, you know, there's four pools, A, B, C, D. Uh, you can actually get relegated from your pool as well. And um, if you win your pool, not just your group, because there's individual groups inside those pools, but if you actually win that final tournament um, at the very end, then you actually get an automatic slot for the uh, European Championship, regardless of which pool you are in, right? So that, that doesn't matter which pool you're in. D pool, C pool, B pool, A pool, they all will get a spot. Now... We we looked into this um, just before we started with this part today, Andrew. And Russia got um, 
Turkey and Sweden in mm, group yeah. two. Um, so pool B, subgroup two. Um, pretty doable, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I actually, at this stage anyway, am quite a big supporter of this this setup because Turkey and Sweden, I would say, are, well, fairly obviously, are about the right level for for Russia to test themselves. And I mean, there are there are a few a few Swedish players who are playing or have played in Russia, so that'll be a bit of an insight there. And um, I mean, the you know, a couple of years ago. The game against Turkey probably would have been quite a tense affair, but I guess nowadays it will be slightly, slightly less uh, intense, shall we say, of a political situation. So, um, but in terms of on the pitch, I think uh, I think it's I think it's an excellent idea. Um, and Turkey and Sweden, yes, I think I think should be beatable. I think this summer will be a good test. Um, and yeah, like you mentioned, it's that route into or potential route into the uh, into the Euros, um, which is very, very interesting, and I think is a very good democratic way of of running European football. So, so far at this stage, I'm a big fan. Then one of the big criticisms of the um, increase of 24 teams at the European Championships was that a lot of the third place teams would qualify. Um, you know, in the the qualification stage for the European Championships as well, making the qualification stage very watered down. Um, this new setup means that only the first two teams of the qualification stage will actually go through because there's four spots that go to the teams that win the Nations League. Um, that's definitely an improvement, isn't it? Yeah, I agree. And I agree in general with this, with Andrew and this whole idea. I, I like the idea that the friendly matches now get some kind of interest and some kind of value in terms of qualifying for Euro. Um, kind of in terms of substitute, um, you will still, there's four groups, A, B, C, and D, and group D has like the lowest ranked teams in the, um, in, in, in Europe. And that kind of gives them a chance also to qualify. And so, uh, I find it's cool because, like, like of course, it will be a complete underdog, but uh, it also gives a chance of players like San Marino and Andorra to actually to play for something. And I always feel bad for those postmen who play uh, in, in qualifications and always get battered by Spain to 10 nothing. Uh, but really, just just imagine what would would be for them. And I think it's kind of fair because it will be just one team who will qualify a. To, to, to Euro. So I, I, I like this idea. And also looking on the group B where the Russia is located, all the teams which, uh, Russia can potentially face in those subgroups, they're kind of in, in similar, a very similar, um, level. Of course, we have some different generations and it depends on the year, on the given generation, how strong the given nation is. But in general, those teams are of, of Russia quality. And, um, I like this. I, I like this idea and I like that, uh, me these uh, friendlies now have some kind of uh, value. And keep in mind too, you win your group, you get promoted to the upper pool. So this is this system actually has a promotion relegation uh, stage yeah. built into it, which I think is is a great idea um, because it allows some of the smaller countries that are in the lower pools to by winning their their respective groups to go up, and then some of the teams that are in the upper pools, of course, to go to go down and. And yes, you mentioned the friendlies. I think one of the big problems has been that a lot of the friendlies, um, teams, national team coaches sometimes sub up to 11 players right in the second half and really water down the friendly competitions. 
Um, this is this, these are actually competitive games, right? So the, you will have your three subs, and um, it brings meaning to to these. Um, well, they're not really friendlies, but meaning to the games that are usually would be staged as friendlies, and because you can win something in the end of the day. And although you still have the normal qualification process, it's not it's not a bad idea to win your your pool and go get one of those spots because then you can breathe easier when you get to that qualification stage, right? Um, so I think I feel teams will take this very serious and um, it, it will give it a very good, interesting character. And I mean, when you look at some of these groups, uh, Group A, for example, uh, subgroup one where Germany is and they got Netherlands and France. Um, you know, that's, that's some really juicy games. Uh, I, I can't wait to see those. And that's going to be very, a lot of fun to watch. But some of the other groups too, Iceland, Switzerland, Belgium, Poland, Italy, Portugal, Spain, England, Croatia, these are all the group one, uh, group A games. And, um, yeah, really interesting stuff. And then for Turkey, Sweden and Russia, uh, in terms of this podcast, of course, it's going to be very interesting. And, uh, I think overall, um, I, I'm I'm looking forward to this. Uh, every new competition, of course, is something that we look forward to and that we're going yeah, to and cover. What if Russia faces Ukraine in the final of Group B? Eh? No, there you go. That that will be something for the UEFA heads to solve <laughs> because <laughs> I think there's still a policy that the two teams can't be drawn against each other. But uh, we'll, 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 I guess we'll see what goes down by uh, what is it, 2019, um, mm-hmm. when we when we get the later stages. So. And see also what cool kind of in 2019 we have no big tournament, but if the final of this uh, Nations League is in 2019, then we have a big kind of tournament or big finals pretty much every year. Pretty much. Yeah, and that's that's always good. Although we have the Copa America in Brazil. Oh, yeah. As well, which is, of course, uh, something that we in one form or another going to cover, I'm pretty sure. But boys, um, speaking of the Russian national team, uh, need to kind of move this over to two news of the Russian national team and really bad news really for Russia, but also for your club Spartak Moscow, Tim. Um, Chikia suffered an ACL tear. You and I both had this injury. We know it takes a long time to recover from this. This is a big blow for Russia and Spartak, isn't it? Well, to say that I'm devastated is to say nothing. I am completely, it, 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 it's a tragedy. And for the player, for the club, and uh, for the national team, uh, GK in the past uh, year became the leader of uh, Spartak defense and the leader of national team defense. Uh, with uh, when Cherchesov uh, took over the national team, he made it clear that he will be f- playing three central defenders. It took him a little bit of time to figure out who will be his central defenders because of lack of the quality central defenders in Russia. But um, uh, probably about a year ago, he fi- uh, he pretty much showed in the friendlies that his trio of central defenders will be Jikia, uh, Vasin, and Kudryshov. And Jikia, uh, he is not only a quality central defender, he is also is like really the soul of 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 the team and both Spartak and both of um, of Russia because he's really he's the guy who is always joking around who at the same time who is the leader who is the fighter on the pitch and it's a massive massive blow for Spartak it's a massive blow for the national team and um, it's it just uh, it was a friendly pretty much useless game where Jikia got his injury I 
still to this day I can I, I don't have enough guts to to watch the, the the repeat of that I saw the pictures it looks very painful but I don't want to see GK being hurt but pretty much uh, what um, what the issue was according to Spartak uh, press officers that they watered down the pitch too much the pitch was kind of was sliding and then he slided and got his ACL this is the fourth ACL in Spartak in the past six months. Um, there was some questions about the medical, but like all, like everyone at the club said, really, like you cannot really do anything out about ACL, uh, injuries. Like it's easy to, you know, to, to blame, uh, muscle injuries, but ACL is just pretty much luck. So Zobnian, Tigiev, Timofeev, and Zhikia, this is the four players in Spartak who in the past six months, uh, maybe it's eight months, let's say, got their ACL injury. So just massive luck and, that puts a big question on the Russian national team in terms of like who will be that third defender and we'll talk about it and also for, for Spartak as well because uh, Spartak now has only three players and uh, given the foreigners limit in the club um, that's also a big question so so it's it's very unfortunate me and my dad after that happened we're talking for about an hour and we were just really uh, de- devastated. It's 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 a young, talented, great progress player who just did amazing in the past month, and it's 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 a tragedy. Yeah, just keep him away from Twitter. Other than that, um, it is you know it's it's just it is really unfortunate. You know, Tim, we both we talked about this just now. We both had this injury. It's an impact injury. You know, to say that the club did something wrong is um, impossible, pretty much. Yeah. Um, because it it's an injury that doesn't. Muscle injuries, that usually shows you there's something going wrong with training. Uh, that's uh, If you have half your squad go down with muscle injuries, you either not training enough or too much. But with, with ACL, um, that's such a tricky one because just one turn, that can, that can be it, right? Um, someone running in your joint while you plant your foot. All those, those things are not something that you can plan. It's just that's really unfortunate. And no, I did not watch the video either. I think anyone who has had this injury will not be able to because exactly. it's like one of the most painful things that you can experience. Um, it's like something inside of you snaps. So it's not a great thing, but, um, Andrew being replacements, uh, let's go, let's look at Russia first before we look at Spartak. Um, the date of return is the 10th of June, 2018. The tournament starts four days later. Uh, that's, Probably too tight. Probably too tight. Um, yeah. You know, unless you're looking at the summer, Sami Kadira proportion kind of return where he came back four months after the ACL and still wasn't 100% fit. So likely is different players. Who do we see play there? Well, I, I think I agree with you. It's, it's so, so tempting to try and you know, put everything into getting him back for the tournament, but then you've just got that risk of will he be able to you know trust his his um his body to cope afterwards and i i just don't think it's going to be it's not going to happen i just i just don't see that happening at all um i just i'm so gutted about it too uh, and i and i don't even have the emotional connection like tim does to him being a spartak player in terms of replacement um i mean it's i don't know roman neustadt has been in the squad but he's never really fully convinced me of his um of his settling into the squad fully. I don't know what it is. He he tried too hard, I thought, when he got his passport. Um, 
about uh, you know trying to show pictures of himself really you know eating a sandwich key and you know trying to be a bit silly about it really. So I'm not convinced by Neustadter. Um, I guess it will be Kudryashov, Vasin, uh, and um, and Kutupov, um, but possibly Neustadter. I don't know. It's a big, big blow. Um, Jikin really is a huge part of that defence, and at the age of 24 as well. Um, this was a great, great opportunity for him to to boost his experience too. So, uh, yeah, I, I I don't really I don't really have a lot of confidence in the people who could come in to replace him, but. Um, but there we go. We're going to have to deal with it now. Yeah. What's your thoughts on this, Tim? Russia and, uh, of course, Spartak as well. Yeah. Like in terms of Russia, they uh, they, they posted the statistics of players who Cherchesov used in that um, central uh, trio of defenders. So obviously, the the most minutes and number of games played is Kudryashov, Vasiev, and Jikia. And then we have a list of players: uh, Ilya Kutepov, Vasily Berezutsky, who apparently and allegedly declined playing uh, in, in the World Cup. Uh, you then have Andrei Semyonov, Roman Nordstetter, Ivan Novoselsev, Roman Shushkin, Vitaly Shachov, and Ruslan Kambolov. And one more person who is who doesn't have any minutes as of yet is one person who I would like to add is uh, Vladimir Granat, who is, uh, who is also who um, had a terrible season at Spartak, uh, moved to Rostov and played under Kurban Berdyev, and he kind of he I think he's also JK uh, is left uh, left leg, and I think uh, Granat is as well. So in my opinion, if you take a look at the list of all the players who played and add Vladimir Granat, and I think it will just come down to the last part of the season who will be in better form, and just I'll talk about Il- Ilya Kutepov, who is like who I watched every weekend and every every week um he is uh when he's in good form he is very good mm. but at the same time when he he hasn't been playing and he was a little bit out of form and uh, then he was forced to play and he played some minutes in 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 friendly games he was really horrible it, he was not horrible he wasn't the level of you know of playing for the national team uh, same goes for um G- vladimir granat who was terrible really terrible at Spartak, but then he was wonderful when he played for uh, Kurban Berdeev, Rastov, and um, and uh, then a little bit later Rubin. So I think that three main players who can consider themselves being that third place is Ilya Kutepov, Andrei Semyonov from, T- uh, from Ahmad, and uh, Vladimir Granat. I think those are three obvious opportunities, and then it will come down to uh, who just will be in the better form? But in terms of Spartak, oh, to me, oh, I'm, I'm, I don't ever know. Uh, right now, the latest rumor uh, in the last week, I talked about uh, the the transfer of potential um, central defender from Brazil, Verissimo. Looks like this deal is not gonna happen because um, Spartak was tr- had a hard time paying eight millions, and apparently Santos. Uh, raised the price to 10 million and Spartak said, no, we're not going to do it uh, at all. So now it looks like the focus has switched to the um, uh, Serbian uh, player, uh, Nikol Maksimovic, yeah. who used to play in Torino and now has a hard time getting in squad at Napoli. I think that's a brilliant, brilliant move. Uh, because I, I know him, I followed him when he played in, in Torino with Camille Gleek and they were just a wonderful, uh, partnership. But, uh, again, the question comes down to the Russian foreigners limit because, mm-hmm. uh, because, yeah, if, 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 you know, you have, we have Salvatore Bacchetti, you have Serdar Taski, who is also under question of leaving. But if you have two foreigner 
central defenders, if Kutep is not going to win uh, his place in the squad, then uh, the funny thing that the person who I really likes out because of GK's injury is Mario Pashalic. Because he will be that he is the player who is on the borderline of that foreigner's limit. He has the, the, the quality of playing in the starting lineup, but most of the time he doesn't play because of that foreigner's rule. So it's, it's, it is, it is complicated and it's not a tough decision, especially bringing in, even if Maximovich transfer will happen in the next couple of days. It's rumored that he's doing his medical in the next couple of days, but it means nothing. But the game against Athletic Bilbao in Europa League is in, in three weeks, I believe. Mm-hmm. So, so it's, it's, it's not good that the GKS injury is really devastating. Yeah. I mean, uh, in terms of Vladimir Granad, I think that's an interesting one because for Russia, of course, I'm going to go get into Maximovich in just a moment where I, I actually quite rate quite highly. Um, but Granad is a good shout because he's left footed. And he, um, and Abedeev, they play in that same system that yeah. they play with the Russian national team, right? So you're replacing one left-footed, uh, defender basically with another one who can already play in that 3-5-2, 3-4-3, 5-3-2 formation. <clears throat> and they Russia play with Kudryashov, who yeah. is the other. So it's, it, it's exactly. a plus. Um, so that actually, Granada, I, I find that's, when you look at all the options, I find that's the sexiest. In, in a way, um, that's uh, definitely the, the one that I find the, the most intriguing because also by nominating Granat, of course, you get a lot of flexibility into that side, right? Because he can play multiple other positions as well. So yeah. it, it makes maybe the most sense, of course. And of course, what's happening with Ruben Kazan for the next six months? Um, that's the big question mark. Maybe you don't know. That club is like a, a continuous circus. So, um, I guess that's something to watch, but yeah, Vladimir Granat, uh, someone to keep, keep an eye out on, uh, for sure, because, uh, we might see him at the, when the tournament kicks off on June 14th in Moscow. Um, but yeah, I, w- I want to move this over to the next topic, guys. Um, Fedor Smolov, Fedor Smolov, the fourth, fifth, sixth, Andrew, um, now the latest link is Borussia Dortmund, although we still have no update on Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. Uh, we don't know what Pierre is doing. We just know <laughs> he's driving fast cars and sports fancy haircuts and is busy on Twitter. Um, yeah, He should be running Spartak's Twitter. He should be on Spartak's Twitter, <laughs> although that, that would be a disaster waiting <laughs> okay. as well. I'll tell you that. Um, uh, for Fedor Smolov, there's, there's a list that emerged of three possible replacements. The favorite is on this. I want to really point this out right now. The big favorite to come in right away is Oliver Giroud from Arsenal because they can just sign him on a loan deal and have him till the end of the season. But then there is, uh, Miki Batsuhai from Chelsea. Mm. And Fedor Smolov, who we already, who was already heavily linked with Dortmund during the summer, during the Comfort Cup, and he was heavily linked with Dortmund last winter and the summer before. Now, um, we know with Andrei Amolenko that sometimes third times is the charm, right? What are your thoughts of this, uh, Andrew? Big or small of the Borussia Dortmund, maybe? 
Do you love watching live TV but are tired of your huge cable bill? Sling TV has the same top cable channels for as little as half the price, so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports, news, reality TV, and more. Ditch cable and get Sling's total live streaming solution with free local channels. Setup and installation are included. Make the smart choice and switch to Sling TV. Get the best of cable for the best price. Learn more at sling.com slash cut cable. That's sling.com slash cut cable. Setup and installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply. Well, I'm, I'm torn a little bit. I mean, my, my head says it might just be a tiny step too far for him, but my heart says, well, this is a great opportunity. And there is a lot of sense to it because he'll be a very, very affordable option, certainly in modern day standards. Um, you know, we've seen, uh, we've seen West Ham making bids of around 17 million euros, which is basically nothing nowadays. And especially if, if Albumeang does leave to Arsenal, my gut feeling is Albumeang probably will go to Arsenal. Um, but anyway, we'll, we'll see if that really does come off. And that's, that's obviously going to be the key. Um, and if they have that money, they, they won't want to splash all of it, I'm fairly sure in the winter break when there aren't so many options available and with Smoloff clearly, clearly available, um, his versatility, his, his confidence, his form, um, I, I, I think it would be a good fit. I'm not sure it's going to come off just because of how much we've heard very loose rumours, but nothing concrete about Smoloff for quite some time. Um, you know, the West Ham talk, was uh, there was talk apparently, but it's nothing really firm coming up. And Smoloff himself seemed to pour cold water on the idea. So about about Dortmund, um, I mean, it's I, I think it would make sense for them personally. Um, I can see it being Giroud, like you mentioned, because it's well fairly. If it if the Albumering to Arsenal deal does go through, it's a straightforward. You know, okay, we'll give us Olivier in exchange. Um, Personally, my gut instinct says he won't go to Dortmund. I think he should do um, if he has the opportunity, but I just get the feeling he's not quite going to be the first choice. Yeah, Andrew, but keep in mind, he, he will pretty much be the first choice, right? Because um, Fyodor Smolov, if he comes in, he'd be the, he'd be the, the striker to replace Pierre-Emerick or Moyeyang, right? And the, the other players that they have in the squad are all very young. And the one thing that I like about Fyodor Smolov in comparison to Olivier Giroud, Giroud is a, is a box player. Um, we recently outlined him uh, on the Game Pressing podcast. And Chris actually spoke quite highly about Giroud. I know his reputation in England isn't, isn't the best, mm-hmm. um, which is probably unfair. He's, just, he's the starting striker for France, after all, right? And uh, France is not a bad national team at all. Um, but I think... What Fedor Smolov brings in comparison to Giroud is Fedor Smolov, like Aubameyang, started on the left wing, right? So he was then later on moved into the center, and that's really where he became that that striking force for Krasnodar. And I think that maybe that is something to keep in mind. And we all know, I think Smolov himself said in an interview that Dortmund were a club interested. And this was, I think, in the summer, just before the Comfort Cup kicker interviewed him. Mm-hmm. And... um he said that yes, Dortmund are interested, and then he he said some else that I found was quite interesting. It's like like my friend Andrei Yamolenko, team players from the post-Soviet space sometimes get a bad reputation, 
and don't get the move. Now, Dortmund did sign Andre Yamalenko. <laughs> and one of the things that I've noticed with a lot of Dortmund people asking me is like, well, Ukraine and Russia don't have the best relationship. How is it going to work with having a Russian and a Ukrainian in the squad? But Tim, the two are actually friends. Yeah, no, it's, it's all, like I said, like I said numerous times on, on this podcast that I play on the Russian speaking, um, football team and half of the team is Ukrainian and they're my great, great friends. It's only on the political level. If two Russian speaking players will end up in, in Borussia Dortmund, it's definitely they will be friends and it's, it's not an issue. It's, it's not going to be an issue ever. It's, it's nothing even to talk about. It's, it's, it's non topic. But in terms of further small of to Borussia Dortmund, I, I don't know how possible it is and, um, but I really want this to happen because I like Smolov, I like Borussia Dortmund. It's great for the football grad uh, for us to have this um, this transfer happen. My only concern is um, it's not even football playing concern is 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 the World Cup, and um, that really World Cup is only a few months away. But uh, Fedor Smolov hasn't been playing football for two months right now, and I'm really have a bit of a question mark about his given form. I don't know, maybe he's in fantastic form right now. But uh, just uh, joining uh, Borussia Dortmund, a team which plays, um, and you know, it's an interesting kind of football, not your usual football. Borussia Dortmund plays a different, little bit different type of football um, to Krasnodar and um, playing in Germany, which is uh, plays a very fast game. I'm not sure if he's right now just in in the form uh, in terms of being if that transfer were to happen to come on and then play 90 minutes every single game and perform the result. I really wish that could be that that could be true, but I just I just really don't know what kind of form it is. That's my only concern. Otherwise, in terms of his his level, I think he's capable of playing for uh, Borussia Dortmund. He is hungry for a uh, European success, so he will be motivated. It won't be Andrea Shavin case at Arsenal. It uh, he will be motivated. He will be. Um, he has enough class to do that. Uh, for me, it just may be the timing of the t- of the transfer because Dortmund they need a striker if uh, Aubameyang were to go. Smolov is looking for for the move, but maybe right now if if if, if the transfer doesn't happen and uh, let's say Dortmund will get Olivier Giroud, that door will be closed for the further small in terms of going to Dortmund. But I'm 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 up, all up for this uh, transfer. I really hope it will happen, and I hope. You know, it would have been good for 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 the player, for the club, and for Football Grab Network. Well, the one thing that we have to kind of keep in mind as well is that um, Fido Smolov, unlike Giroud, can play in the Europa League because Krasnodar didn't actually qualify for the, the group stage of the Europa League, and uh, Fido Smolov is therefore um, eligible to play there, right? So, um, yeah. That's, yeah, that's, that's yeah. one thing to add. And Giroud played in the Europa League of Arsenal, so he can't play there. So, yeah, maybe that's um, that's a way to see. I think we still don't know anything. Um, the the Aubameyang, I think the Aubameyang deal will go through too, Andrew. I think that his behavior has pretty much shut the door at Dortmund. I think there's the play, players, his teammates, they, they're fed up with, with his antics. Um, the reintegration of him into the squad would be very difficult at this point. And um, you can see that he's that he's destroyed squad harmony there, which is something that needs to be fixed. So I can, I could see a deal go through. It's just a matter of Arsenal. Um, you know, they're being Arsenal. They're increasing their offer right now by a million each day, rather than just meeting Dortmund's demands, which are quite clear. I think they went from 55 to 58 million. Next thing that we're gonna see is a bit for 58.5. 
And Dortmund are <laughs> saying, no, 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 guys, it's 70. And Arsenal's like, what about 59? And they're like, no, no, it's 70. <laughs> That's it. That's the bottom line. It's 70. <laughs> so um, once Arsenal have figured that part out, I think it will happen pretty quick. But, um, boys, we need to stay with the strikers. And um, another bit of Dynamo Moscow stuff. Uh, Pete is going to love that, Tim. Um, yeah. He was already <laughs> over the moon last week. But um, Dynamo, Dynamo Moscow are signing a lot of players these days. And they signed uh, Evgeny Markov from Tosno. And um, this doesn't seem like a big deal at first glance. Most listeners will be like, Evgeny Wu. But Evgeny Markov is actually the, the third best striker in this league. And um, I'm going to go with you first, Tim, and then uh, give some. want to hear from you as well, Andrew. But what does he bring to Dynamo Moscow? I mean, this is this is a guy who can obviously score goals. Yeah. Um, well, this is a fairly new player on, on, on the Russian league radar because this is pretty much the first year who actually started that people started paying attention to him and who found out who he is. And uh, But uh, we also keep in mind he has uh, eight goals, but he scored the hat-trick in, in one game. So it's not like he has been a goal machine. He just... Um, Got the, you know, he, but definitely he was, uh, him and Zabalotny were the leaders of, uh, Tosno attack in the first half of the season. Um, it's a question mark what Tosno are doing because they sold two of their, uh, best strikers and they're still in that relegation scrap. So it's, it's a bit of a question mark what Tosno is doing, but it's a good deal for, uh, for Dynamo because Dynamo has been missing um, like a lot of players, a lot of quality players, but they don't, don't really have a, a striker who, you know, a striker who can who can score goals, and that, that's why that 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 transfer. I think it's a great uh, great opportunity for them. They have Wanderson, they have uh, Yevgeny Lutsenko, but they haven't been really really strong in the in the past uh, in the in the first half of the season. And also uh, Kirill Panchenko, obviously, who was uh, who did his ACL. Oh, ACL is kind of getting the topic of this podcast. But uh, Kirill Panchenko is set to return for the second half of the season, and actually, we can see a really um, improve uh, Dynamo side in in that um, upcoming uh, second half of the season because really you get um, Evgeny Markov, you have if Kirill Panjinka is back and at, at the sudden their attack is looking quite quite interesting. So definitely um, Dynamo is doing interesting transfers. They doing um, in- interesting like you know they they're really strengthening the, their their squad. Uh, so it's happy for Dynamo fans, and uh, but like we talked off off air before the pod, it's really question mark what Tosna is doing. The the team is in the relegation battle, and they're selling their two best strikers. I'm not sure why why this is happening. I haven't heard any financial issues with Tosna, so it's it's a little bit of a strange move. Of course, like if if the if if their players Zabalotli wants to move to Zenit and like you know this is the offer you kind of can you have to accept and they they got some money for him. But at the same time after that selling Markov to Tosno it's oh sorry to Dynamo it's 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 an interesting move. I'm curious what what Andrew will have to say on that. Yeah, Andrew um couple of things, you know, Tosno of course, but um Evgeny Markov actually had an offer from Zenit as well. And chose yeah. Dynamo Moscow over over Zenit. So that's that's interesting. Um, the Dynamo Moscow sort of finding money to do these kind of transfers. And, but this is an important one for them, right, Andrew? Because they're deep in the relegation battle, 
and um, this guy obviously knows how to score goals. And Tim says Panchenko. He he mentions Panchenko as well as coming back. That will be a very good tandem for them up front. Well, I mean, they're suddenly starting to look a relatively dangerous side. I mean, don't forget quite how close the league is. They are just above the relegation zone, but there's only five points um, separating them in 12th and Ufa in 6th. So, you know, you, I, they won't get any further than 6th because there's then a big jump to the European places. But they could easily get, um, you know, mid-table safety fairly comfortably now. Um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned their strike force. Strike force now, you got, yeah, I mean, Alexei Yonov is in the squad. I mean, like you say, Panchenko, I'm a huge fan of Panchenko. And when he, when he comes back from his injury, I hope he comes back, um, with at least some of the form that he showed in the first half of the season. Um, but whatever, whatever happens, he's, he's a, he's a great player. Um, Wonson, Markov, Bertura, I mean, he, he, they, they're looking dangerous. Um, Tosno, I, I agree completely with uh, with what Tim says about Tosno. It's just such a confusing um, close season, well, mid-season break for them. Um, I, you've really got to worry for them um, because, you know, that bottom end of the table, Tosno played some decent football at times, but they started to struggle in the sort of the middle 10 games of the season, if you like, the last 10 before the winter break. And... Um, and they, they uh, the home games weren't quite so secure. They lost a lot four in the last five games. Actually, just looking at their form guide, and you know Markov is well, where are the goal's going to come from. I just cannot see where they're going to come from for them now. So uh, strange one from Tosno. Uh, great move for Dynamo, and like you mentioned with with uh, Konstantin Rausch coming in as well. Mm. Um, it's yeah. I, I mean the pod last week. I listened to what you guys were saying then, and. I, I agree completely. It seems very strange how they're able to make these deals, um, you know, especially with Pogrebniak still on the books. So, oh my word, it's a, it's it's mad in a understated kind of way, if you see what I mean. Um, not huge sums of money, but why are these decisions being made? I don't know. Um, perhaps we'll find out very soon something about Tosna. Yeah, and we perhaps are about Dynamo as well, so we'll keep an eye on both clubs. Um, guys, questions just come in for, on Twitter. And I feel like we we need to ask ask Tim, of course, first. Rumors of promise to Saints seem to be picking up, and now Liverpool Echo reporting that Spartak may want to sign Lazar Markovic. Tim, thoughts? Uh, yeah, like I said on, on Twitter last week, the situation with promises is extremely simple. He has a buy buyout clause of thirty million for any uh, any club, and there's an extra. Uh, buyout clause for Chinese League, which is $50 million, because his contract was signed when, when Chinese League was going mental. So, um, from his publicly and privately number of times said that he is happy at Spartak, he sees himself down the road playing uh, in Europe and in his career, but this is not his goal as of right now. He is happy at Spartak, and he only will go to Europe if uh, his buyout clause will be triggered, and if he will... Um, you know, if he will see that move is is a is a st next step for his career. So if let's say, I I don't know if if um, yeah if if Sunderland comes for 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 promise and pays thirty million dollars, I don't think he will go because because it's it's not a next step for his. So I, to me, it's it's extremely simple. If it has to be a, an offer from a fairly strong club. 
I'm not sure if Promise will see Saints as as the you know as the next step. He might see it as the next step in his career. But it's very simple in terms of like him leaving or staying. If the club pays thirty million, uh, I don't I know which currency it is, but I know it's thirty million of some kind of good currency in his contract. And Promise thinks that he, that this is um, a good move for him. He will leave. If he if that two are uh, two things are not uh, triggered, then he's not going to leave. In terms of Lazar Markovic, I think uh, and Andrew will have maybe a little bit more information, but from what I understand, he's, he was offered to Lokomotiv, and the Sermon uh, declined the transfer, basing it on that Lazar Markovic hasn't played football in um, in the first half of the season. I don't think he has many games for Liverpool, if, if any, and he just didn't take him because he, he was pretty much out of form and has, hasn't played football. So I think... Um, I d- didn't really follow Lazar Markovic's career uh, after Benfica as much, but uh, I don't think... I don't really see him being better than promise or even close to the level of promise i don't think by spartak would even consider that that replacement i don't know what uh, like you know maybe english papers know something that we don't know but uh, to me this this will uh, this this is fairly unlikely yeah andrew thoughts yeah lazar markovic to be fair would be would be a great uh, addition to the squad i've always been a really really big admirer of it ever since he Ever since he joined Liverpool from Benfica, and I've been surprised why he hasn't been hasn't been played more um, this season. He's uh, well, like you say, he's not played at all, and it's it's very very odd because they invested twenty million um, pounds in him, twenty five million pounds at a time when that was a lot of money. Um, and I, I actually genuinely think he would be well. He's not a like for like replacement for Promise if Promise did go and. In the short term, Markovic was brought in perhaps on a loan deal. I'd say that would be excellent business. Um, how much he would demand for a, you know, a, a permanent transfer fee, I'd, I don't know to be precise, but I'd imagine it would be, well, for significantly lower than, than 20, I'd guess about 10 million you'd probably get him. Um, and given that promise is going to go, if he goes, will be, like you say, Tim, a minimum 30, um, then, you know, financially, overall, it's not the worst deal in the world. Um, but actually, I, I kind of shared Tim's sentiments uh, about Promise. I actually started to get the feeling that he's he is happy because, well, I mean, it's understandable why he's going to get guaranteed Champions League football, give or take um, any miracles from other teams coming up. Um, he's the main man. He's a champion of Russia. He's loved by the fans. And uh, it, it would have to be a an absolutely perfect move for him. Um and there aren't many perfect moves out there for him left, I don't think, because a big club like uh, Liverpool comes in for him, you couldn't quite guarantee at this stage he would settle well or necessarily get a first-choice place in the team. So, um, anyway, my, my point is, I think Promise is likely to stay. Um, Mark Rich, as a player, would be a good signing. Um, even a bit of a risk having not played for a while, but I still think it's worth taking that punt because he's got a lot of talent. Um, but will he move? I think probably not at this rate. Yeah, and also um, one thing to keep in mind, exit clauses in Russia are not the same than in Spain. Um, you know, you can trigger an exit clause and the, the ownership can just more or less ignore it um, if they <laughs> or, or buy it out themselves. There's all sorts of mechanisms to, to get around an exit clause. It's not like in Spain where you just go to the La Liga office and deposit the money and that's it straight out. It doesn't work quite the same way but yeah 
Well, I want to put a cap on that. Um, that more or less, I think, answers that question. Um, boys, we have still a lot of topics to cover. So I want to, I want to shoot this straight to the next, uh, Premier League transfer. Um, this is over in Ukraine. Uh, Fred still heavily linked to Manchester City. I went on a podcast there. Um, just a week ago for the City Watch. A great podcast, by the way. Give it a listen if you're a City fan and you listen to this. Um, these, they believe they can get this guy for 60 million uh, euros. Uh, Schachter now understood to have a replacement lined up in uh, Nikola Moro, Croatian midfielder, 19 years old. And then there's also this rumor that, and uh, Andrew, you'll appreciate this, the city could trade Sinchenko for Fred. What about trades? I mean, we're going to talk about another transfer in a moment that's also been a trade, a trade swap. Um, but Andrew, enlighten our listeners. Why is Sinchenko for Fred not going to happen? Well, that's I've got to be one of the more ridiculous um, transfers that I've that I've heard. I mean, um, Zinchenko left Shakhtar as I understand, a seventeen-year-old, I think it was, um, to go to Bashkortostan. Um, but he actually is um, having a very, very good run of form recently for Manchester City at the moment, who don't really have a uh, a fit. Um, left back with uh, Benjamin Mendy out injured for a while and they've been playing a midfielder at left back. Zinchenko has been playing out of position and he's um, he is acknowledged obviously as a uh, as a winger, as an attacking player by Guardiola, but um, but he's recently said, I'm so so impressed with his intelligence and his maturity. Um, well, I, it's it's not it's not going to happen. It's, I don't understand why that rumor would come about. Um, it's just not the same player, basically. Um, Fred is a, such a logical signing for Manchester City. The only thing I would say at this point is that um, the if the transfer fee um, if the transfer fee is around sixty million, they've got to start watching it because they're also in negotiations with. Uh, Amrick Laporte um, from Bilbao, I believe he is, um, and you know he's the transfer fee for that is also noted to be about sixty million. That's one hundred and twenty million, and you know the I don't I haven't kept track of their exact transfer spending, but financial fair play's got to come into it at some point. But they do need Fred, um, so I don't think they will give up lightly, um, especially as they lost out on Alexis Sanchez recently. Um, I know it's a different position, but um, the you know the the need to fill their squad with quality and and Fred is top quality and and he, and he is what they need. So I do see Fred the Fred transfer going through, but um, to trade for Sinchenko, not a chance. Well, also keep in mind that Sinchenko left Shakhtar under dispute, right? Yeah. That that's a, that's the, there is actually there was a case that went all the way to CAS because Shakhtar said, "Well, you broke your contract." At, at Shakhtar Donetsk and you, you left. And remember, remember Andrew, you went to that amateur league, um, outside of the CSKA stadium. And that's to, I pointed yeah. out to you, this is where Sinchenko played and more or less got picked up by Ufa because he played pickup football in Moscow to find a club. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a curious rumor. I think too that Shakhtar, um, they are very, very tough when it comes to negotiating deals. You know, one of the toughest teams to negotiate with. And uh, as I pointed out in the City Watch, I think if anything, the deal will happen in in the summer. Um, you know, that's Fernandinho just signed a new contract at City, so I believe that 
threat will will probably go to a big European league, um, and it, it's possibly going to happen in the summer. But yeah, we'll keep an eye on until then. Uh, boys, an interesting transfer that I come across, Maxim Kobal from Dynamo Kiev to Deportivo La Coruña. Um, he lost his position at Dynamo Kiev halfway through the first half of the season because, you know, making too many mistakes. Um, he was also, of course, responsible for Dynamo Kiev not making it into the Champions League because of that last-minute goal that Dynamo got against the young boys um, in the Champions League third-round qualification stage that just slipped through his arm. Um, but at the same time, Tim, young keeper, still a lot of talent, um, and an, almost an eternal talent, now going to Spain, uh, like Deportivo La Coruña have now have four goalkeepers. Bit of a risky move, right? It is. Uh, I'm, but at the same time, I get very excited when um, uh, football grad players, um, let's call it former Soviet players, go abroad because the, that has been a like when I was growing up in the nineties. That was just a trend, and um, all the best players would go to to play in Europe. That doesn't happen anymore for you know for the limit for the foreigners' room in Russia, but. Um, you know, to me, like, I get excited, but again, it, it, it comes to, to the question of, okay, so will he play or will he just sit on the Spanish benches and instead of sit, sitting on the bench in Ukraine? And he, when he was coming up, he was a very talented goalie. Um, but, but yeah, like you said, I'm, I'm, I'm looking right now on, on the squad of, of the Partido La Carunia. They have Titan. Who is the Polish goalkeeper? They have Castel Pantilimon, who is a pretty, also a pretty experienced goalkeeper. And then now they have, um, Maxim Kobal. So I'm not sure, uh, and actually Ruben as well. So it's, 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 <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> five goalies on the squad. Yeah. And I'm not sure if, if he will get an, uh, <laughs> any, <laughs> like, I don't know what, what are the plans with Deportivo La Carunia. The club is definitely, uh, he's not having a great season. They're in the relegation battle and their goal is just pretty much, yeah, like to, they need, they need, they need to, to, to get saved. But, um, it's, it's a, it's a questionable move because we're not sure how much playing time Maxim Kovali will get. But I'm personally excited because, like I said, I'm very get excited when, uh, football grad players go to play, uh, abroad and tr actually try. Uh, different lifestyle, different, uh, different language, different league, and, um, hopefully he will succeed. Like, I'm wishing him just, just the best of luck. Hopefully he will, he will get some playing time. Maybe he will be the person who will save Deportivo La Carulla from relegation. Yeah, I mean, that would, I mean, that would be an interesting prospect. I, I personally, there's an article on this transfer up on footballgrad.com. And, um, I think there is opportunity there. It's of course a risk, but it's always a risk when you go to a new country. So. Um, I wish Maxim all the best. I think he's a very talented keeper. I think that the end at um, Dynamo Kiev was unfortunate, and I think it all went down when he when they conceded that awful goal in the Champions League qualification stage at the point where they were pretty much already through to the next stage. So yeah, best of luck to Maxim. I hope it works out well. Uh, I think uh, if you succeed in La Liga and one of the best leagues, that's also beneficial for the Ukrainian national team. So. Um, definitely fingers crossed boys um, next transfer and this one is done and um, Andrew this involves your side Manchester United <laughs> and it involves a player Henrik Mkhitaryan and I'm not gonna lie we were on a personal level I, I was disappointed with when he went to Manchester United um, I, I thought that he had a good year didn't Borussia Dortmund he had a bad year where Borussia Dortmund picked him up and protect him, him and 
uh, build him up again and um, then he just left at the first opportunity for Manchester United, but that's a different story. But a lot of dreams coming true for him right now. Um, his biggest dream was, of course, <laughs> to play for Manchester United. Then his next big dream was to play for Arsenal. So it, this is a guy that has a lot of dreams. Um, Andrew, this transfer, what do you make of it? Well, I mean, if it, I, what I would say about the whole it's my dream thing, I, I actually feel sorry for the guy because, well, I feel sorry for any player because as soon as you announce you have to go for the whole spiel of, of just saying, oh, I, I love this club. I've dreamed of coming to this club. Everybody says it about every transfer. It's, it's an, I don't listen to any words that come out of their mouths at these things. Um, but actually, you know, from a, well, from a Manchester United point of view, us getting Alexis Sanchez, who we desperately need. We need a forward with a lot of, a lot of street fighting ability. He's, probably the best at what he does at his particular ability, lifting a team and driving them forward. Um, Lukaku is a bit lethargic at the moment, so having Sanchez behind him is just a perfect player for what we need right now. Um, Mkhitaryan was, he was, uh, you know, like I wrote on footballcraft.com um, a couple of weeks ago, he's just had a miserable time, really, um, under Mourinho. He's just not the, he's not the player that Mourinho is ever going to trust. And it was, it, he had to get out. And I, I was pleased to see him leave because he's a, he's a classy player and I want to see him be trusted and given a, given a lot more faith than he was by Mourinho. So all round, it's, it's, it makes a lot of sense. Arsenal get rid of a, a exceptionally expensive player who clearly has his eyes elsewhere. Um, Mkhitaryan is released from his prison in, under Mourinho. Um, no money needs to change hands and everybody's happy. So um, I know you're, I know I understand your business towards him after he left Dortmund like he did. And I actually do understand that. And I agree with that really. Um, but just purely from a neutral, well, a relatively neutral point of view as a player, I hope that he does have a good move to Arsenal because there's not much time left for him to, um, to, well, I say resurrect his career again. How many times is he going to do that? But um I'm happy. Uh, I think everybody else is. And uh, yeah, good luck to him, really, I say. I think what really bothers me is this whole my dream come true. And you're right, they, they get that microphone stuck underneath their nose and they have to say what comes to their mind. But I mean, we all, I, I find this whole thing mercantile. Um, you know, the first opportunity comes up and you just move on. Um, it's not like that Dortmund were any better, you know. He 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 went on strike at Shakhtar Donetsk to get the move to Dortmund as well. So it's not like that. This is this is Dortmund specific thing, and it's like yes, I mean we all have dreams, etc. But I find it the fans, especially fans, that fall for it. And it's like yeah, he's come to my club. It's a dream come true. I'm like, don't be that gullible. You know, at <laughs> the end of the day, he's only gone there because it's an opportunity for him and not for the club or the fans watching the team. And this is this is really my personal opinion about it. And I think anyone who has, who thinks other than that just hasn't really followed this business in, in the last little while because his move to Manchester United wasn't about dreams coming true. It was about money, plain and simple. You know, at the time for me, that was a parallel move. He went from a team that was playing in the Champions League to a team playing in the Europa League. And this is no personal offense to, to Manchester United. The only thing that Manchester United had to offer over Borussia Dortmund at the time and football is all about the now. It's not about the past or the future. It's all about the now. It was more money. And I think even you, Andrew, you would agree to that, right? Well, yeah. I mean, to an extent, I mean, the money obviously was, it was uh, a fairly major factor. Um, I mean, 
I, it's, it's so hard to know exactly how you know how genuine players are when they say I want to test myself in another league and I never heard him make those noises but it's got to be part of an attraction I guess to um, if you really consider yourself a top player but you get an opportunity to you know it's a huge stage um, to play at Old Trafford it's the biggest club ground in the English Premier League and there's a history behind the club I'm not saying Dortmund doesn't have a history of course they do of course they do um, but um yeah, I, I can understand why. Uh, I can understand why there's um, there's a feeling that he he went just for the money. I, I don't suspect it was only for the money, but I'm I'm sure it was a major part of it. Um, but you know, Manchester United are they are a, a, a huge historic club, and it's um, it's got to be tempting. It's got to be tempting to test yourself um, like that too. Um, but. Yeah, what can I say? If I was a Dortmund fan, I'd probably be furious at him too right now. But um, I, I, I feel sorry for him the way he's been treated in Manchester. So I'm willing, more willing to forgive him um, for moving on again. But um, that's that's just from my point of view, really. Yeah, a controversial deal. I think there's when you have asked five different people, you get five different opinions. But we only have three. So Tim, what is your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I want to d d a little bit defend uh, Henrik Mkhitaryan about uh, the whole dream thing. Like, again, we said, like, they get a microphone stuck in their nose and they have to say something. But if, if like, I played football and my dream was to play for Spartak, and if that would have not happened, my dream was to play for any club in Europe. I leave alone the big, small club. Like, you know, as a kid, like, I was dreaming. So, um, like, my number one team is Spartak, and then I... My probably second club is Borussia Dortmund, and I don't have really any other favorite team. To for, so for me, if I was a kid growing up and then becoming a professional player, to me, for real, it would have been a dream to play for Arsenal and Manchester United. To me, it's really as a kid would have would, would have not been a difference. It was the difference between being a professional player or not being a professional player. So maybe that's what he says. Uh, also in Russian, the word dream is kind of like. I mm, know it's not. It's, it's it's still kind of pretty much specific. So yeah, I just want to kind of defend him because because maybe that what he's doing. I heard a lot of good stories that he um he worked with an um, Armenian agent. Uh, I believe his last name is Aganisyan. And uh, when he moved to Shakhtar and everyone around him was making really good money and buying those fancy cars, uh, the, his agent went to visit him in Donetsk and he was still driving. I think it was. Some, I don't know, some really simple, some really old car. And like he even says, like, you driving by driving this as a Shakhtar player, you're embarrassing yourself. And he's like, listen, like, I just need transportation. I don't want to be, I don't want to be showing up. I want to play football. And like he said that to, this to his agent, I, I don't know how truthful is the story, but I heard the story. So he, it shows that really his goal was to, to become a, a player who will be playing on a top level. And he also in that story, he promised to this agent, I will be playing on the top level. So it was it was his dream not to play for Manchester United or Arsenal. It was it, his dream to play for the top level club who has this history. So I think that's what he says when he says about dream. It's not like, oh, I've been fan of Manchester United all my life and then I've been fan of Manchester of Arsenal all my life. It's just dream of playing on a top level. And I think Dortmund kind of comes along on the same, the same level. It was dream for him to play in Champions League and it doesn't really matter which club. You play unless you have a massive following for one of the clubs, but I think it's just more like a dream is like a general feeling of playing on top level. And he, by saying that, he says, "Yes, I achieved that." 
uh, that I'm I'm achieving my dream by playing for those big clubs uh, without being club specific. Uh, that's how I see his story. I'm not sure if if I I'm basing this just like on my on my you know thoughts. I'm not sure if this is true or not. Uh, but I think it's a good uh, good move for everyone. Like we said, a good move definitely for Manchester United because they they're lacking of player of that quality like Alexis Sanchez. They need more of those you know game deci- game decisive players. And uh, from Mkhitaryan, you know he definitely had a conflict with Mourinho. Didn't play enough. Um, and I think he will. F- he fits that style of play that Arsenal is known for play. So um, yeah, seems like good. Hopefully, more dreams come true for those players. Yeah, maybe on uh, to cap this off, guys. I, I personally, I always thought Henrik Mkhitaryan has, has limitless talent, and um, I think he needs the. I think I write this in the article that I just published on footballgrad.com as well. He needs the right environment to succeed. And yeah. um, he was very much cushioned at Borussia Dortmund. And that's how he succeeded because Thomas Tuchel protected him, right? And I remember when the the move to Manchester United um, started to materialize, I was like, if he goes there, he's not going to work out because he's not going to be doing well under Jose Mourinho. And um, that's because and dreams may have come true when he signed that contract, but it did not come true when, when he finally started working with Jose Mourinho, because that's not a coach that fosters this kind of players. And Mikitarian is a thinker. You know, this is someone who speaks seven languages, uh, plays chess and, and thinks a lot. And when you, when you then get in contact with a hard nosed coach like Jose Mourinho, I think you, you very quickly um, learn the, the sides of business that are not very, very good for you, the way you play. So the the animosity that I felt on the move aside, I, I think that hopefully for him under Arsene Wenger, I, I have no idea what Arsenal are doing right now. They're doing a whole bunch of stuff and I'm not even sure Arsene Wenger is going to be there by the end of the year. But I hope that things work out better for him playing at Arsenal uh, I guess in the FA Cup next year because even Europa League looks unlikely. So, um, good luck, Henrich. Wish you all the best. But, uh, boys, sad we're out of time. We had one question come in, but, um, about playmakers in the Soviet Union. I guess we'll have to talk about that next week because that's a topic in itself. So yes, we have received the email from Regal Calcio and we'll be discussing it in, in great length next week. Well, until then, Andrew, um, What's going on in your life? What's uh, what's new? What do you want to promote? Where can people find you? Uh, well, I mean, in terms of work, I've uh, I've, I've taken on a, a bit more work in my day job, so not so much writing specifically at the moment. But um, I'm looking forward to the um, well, the start of the season again. Um, I'm I've actually just applied for my my match tickets to watch the Yekaterinburg games at the World Cup this summer. So fingers crossed, I'll get those and um, bring some reaction from them. But yeah, I mean, I'm taking it easy at the moment. But um, looking forward to getting back into football grab previews once European football kicks off again. Yeah, two weeks, two weeks from now. So uh, I'll, I'll send out the the tasks lists pretty soon, I guess. Andrew, um, Tim, what's going on in Vancouver? Well, Vancouver is, is going great. I'm busy with work. It's a fairly busy time of the year f- uh, for me. But uh, if people would like to see somebody tweets about Spartak and uh, tweet it, it's uh, Russian Team sixty one on Twitter and Rocket from Russia on Instagram. Yeah, awesome stuff. Make sure to follow the, that account. Uh, you can find me at Manuel Vef. And yes, yes, we are. We have gotten questions, and we'll try to answer them. 
Um, I guess the, the big question that we're going to, to discuss next week is playmakers in the Soviet and post-Soviet space and the relationship to chess. It's a great topic. We'll discuss it in great length. Um, and you will find this, this podcast and all the stuff that we put out, some of the articles that we mentioned on this podcast. You can find them all at Football Grad Live on Twitter. And also, guys, please uh, let us know. Feedback is always welcome on on iTunes um, and on our Twitter channel and also, of course, by email. Um, leave us comments, suggestions, anything is always welcome. Um, yeah, that wraps it up for this week. Until next week, das wird dann hier. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.